Welcome, historians. Host Austin he they she and host Brenda she her have been waiting for you. Come along for secret histories of nerd mysteries. Hello, welcome to episode 87 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. I'm host Brenda. And I'm host Austin. Uh, we are very... Yeah. <laughs> Never mind, I lied. <laughs> I was going to say, we are very serious business. Yes, oh, I burped God. serious... I'm going to flip the funny switch off for a second. Are we ready? I need something that yeah. makes a noise. I'm going to use my AirPod case. Ready? We're going to flip the funny switch off. Serious business time. All right, yeah, um, so, uh, since we've last recorded, we've sadly lost Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, as you may or may not know, is is essentially the voice of Batman. If you've mm -hmm. consumed any animated video game, anything where Batman's speaking, um, you probably heard Kevin Conroy as Batman in, what, since 19, since the 90s? Some 30 yeah, years? Yeah, like 1992, 1991? Yeah, so that's a, yeah, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, so in most likely in your lifetime, it's been Kevin Conroy, unless you were over the age of like thirty five. But no, before that, there was there wasn't like a animated Batman thing, was there? Well, there was um, Super Friends. Oh yeah, so Kevin Conroy passed away um, November tenth of this year, two thousand twenty two. He had much, I guess, akin to other famous people we've lost recently. He had cancer. He didn't really disclose it to the public. Which is totally fine his own right. It sounds like his friends knew, like people in the industry that were like close to him kind of shared that, you know, that he didn't want mm -hmm. the public to know, um, which is within his right, obviously. Many people have shared tribute to him that were his friends in the industry, um, that knew him personally. I was not friends with Kevin Conroy, but he touched my, I think it's easy to say he touched a lot of people's lives in immense immense ways that could probably never be truly measured or expressed yeah like he was the voice of batman and he right. brought like this gravity to the role that like mm -hmm. i don't really think anyone else and like other people have played batman there's been like these yeah. animated movies where he hasn't been batman and a couple of the video games where he hasn't been batman mm -hmm. um troy baker is someone who's played batman quite a few times in mm -hmm. the animated series brave and the bold batman was played by Diedrich bader mm -hmm. but you know, they keep coming back to Kevin Conroy mm -hmm. to play this character because of the impact he's had on this role and just like the talent that he had. He had like a mm -hmm. traditional acting background and not a voice acting background, which right. is exactly what the animated series needed mm -hmm. in his performance because it focused so heavily on the duality between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, and we thought very briefly thought about maybe watching mask of the phantasm for this episode but we're gonna put that on hold and just give mm -hmm. that some time austin's never seen it yeah i've never seen it um we have a lot of other stuff we had planned to get to all so mm -hmm. we're gonna do that we'll still get to mask of the phantasm but yeah i just want to say you know i think it's like other people have been the voice of batman but i think he really was he's like he's like the quintessential voice right he's like the mm -hmm. voice that if you're going to play Batman, people probably have you listen to some of Kevin's work. 
because it's his voice is like it's still the voice i hear when i read the comics yeah exactly it, it like i feel like a lot of other performances are derivative of kevin's where mm-hmm. they try to get voices that are similar to kevin's mm-hmm. um so he just really made the i can't think of words anyway he just really <laughs> set the bar set the bar yeah he said he said he yeah. set the bar i think he really learned how to embody batman and bruce wayne and really brought that heart that the i think the animated series is known for mm-hmm. a lot of people share behind the scenes that like you know he really understood he really pushed on like you like batman's emotions batman's feelings and really conveyed that and i think it's something that in some iterations of batman we get now feels like it's lost sometimes mm-hmm. but it's something i appreciate and it's something that made me fall in love with batman in the first place um and he's played he has played uh physically bruce wayne in the like cw verse for a few things yeah. Which was, which was, I think, was pretty cool and well deserved. Yeah, that that is cool. Yeah, it's like I haven't seen those because I'm pretty sure it was like, wasn't it in like um, Legends of Tomorrow? Was it was like in that uh, big crossover event? It they was had in the, with all It was them. the Crisis event when they mm-hmm. did Crisis on Infinite Earths. He was in that. I I couldn't tell you what exactly show he was in, but I know it was a big deal because he was going to be in Crisis on Infinite Earths as yeah. Bruce Wayne. So like, he at least got Batman. to, yeah old old bruce he at least yeah. got to play that role live action once because he's he's an actor you yeah. know before he was a voice for years actor. for, for I think, year, a long for, time for 30 years before <laughs> yeah, he was a voice he was actor like very experienced and he just like um stumbles into the recording studio and they're like do this performance uh he released a comic that he wrote last year about his life and being gay mm-hmm. and um it's it's very it's a sad read but it's like yeah it was the first time he was really open mm-hmm. up to anyone about mm-hmm. himself. It's definitely check it out and read it. Um, mm-hmm. It w- it was very good. It make- every time I go back and read it, it makes me cry. Like it's really good. It is up for free right now, as of this recording mm-hmm. on DC's website in honor of Kevin. Um, it's called Finding Batman, and it is up for free right now. It is very good because it is. It gets to he really I was like, oh, I get trauma because he he lived through the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and he felt a real responsibility of carrying on the memory, legacy, and like heart of like his friends that didn't make it through that time period in America. Um, so it's it's good. It is. I cannot stress enough. It is very sad. This is a sad yeah. thing we're talking about. Yeah, it it is. It felt very sudden. It was. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard yeah. I was to articulate. in the grocery store, and someone texts me, uh, and then I, <laughs> I had to. I think I tweeted about this. I had to. I have never shopped faster because I was like, I cannot cry in this grocery store. <laughs> Someone was- will ask me what's wrong and I will not be able to articulate that a voice actor <laughs> died and I'm sad about it. Died, and I can't articulate this sadness. I was in the middle of physical therapy. I'm like, you know, doing my little like leg pulls and like mm-hmm. I have my watch on and I just like glance at my watch. And I'm like, oh, Austin sent me a message and just said, oh, Kevin Conroy is me. dead. And it's I was me. like, and I just like kind of stopped and I'm laying there and like the... <laughs> one of the assistants comes in and she's like hey doing okay and i'm like kevin conroy's dead and then she's like what and i was like the guy who voiced batman for like 30 years is dead and she was like okay yeah it's such a weird because like all my friends got it right but then like people don't and i Mm -hmm. in my head i was like i have to tell brenda cannot like get on twitter and just like find out i can't let that happen to them yeah it it was it was a lot like be like okay hold it together brenda you just have to do like 10 more stretches <laughs> and uh, then you can get through this but to kevin's 
friends and family if you ever hear this uh we hope you are doing as well as you can in this Mm -hmm. time and to kevin just thanks for everything yeah thanks for making this version of this character that's the benchmark that was the word i was looking for yeah benchmark or what batman should be also Mm -hmm. batman's gay i don't also batman's gay batman's Uh, gay and ace but that's a different issue but definitely (laughs) gay (laughs) um don't know what to tell you that's just facts but yep Kevin would not want us to be sad all day. Kevin was a very joyful person, so... Yeah, I'm gonna flip the humor switch back on. Are we ready? All right, it's back on. (laughs) Jokes, comedy. That's excellent Foley work, by the way. Thank you. It's my AirPods case. (laughs) Who needs to put in sound clips? We have... Listen, we're going old school, baby. I'm talking Tiny (laughs) Toons when they threw (laughs) pants and pans against the wall. Exactly. It's like, I'm not going to go back in while I'm editing and take the time to add in a sound effect. I think one time I added in an an audio, like a music clip. We were talking about Phineas and Ferb. And like, that's the fanciest I've ever gotten. I was going to put in like bits of um, the... What was that soap opera from the Harley Quinn episode that was... Oh, Days of Our Lives. Uh, Days of Our Lives. I was going to put in the Days of Our Lives clip with Arlene. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I got to that point and I was like, you know what? This episode's already been a lot. We're going <laughs> to just get to the end. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm speaking of Foley work. I, know, I have no idea what you're talking about, but... Um, do you remember when Nickelodeon in between episodes of stuff would like show them making the noises? And yeah, it was seeing, always so cool. Remember seeing Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers as Donnie just flailing around yeah. in their sound? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what is what is happening? Is this, this is how? It's like, buddy, man, they couldn't like record like <laughs> something a else or something like you know, no just, he's really just, just going ape shit in there <laughs> it's really 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 weird um anytime they're like yeah this guy voiced the brother the dad and also the dog and you're like what do you mean he voiced the dog <laughs> the dog doesn't the speak dog? <laughs> the dog makes dog noises are you telling me this guy <laughs> makes dog noises frank welker again making dog noises oh it's frank welker you guys don't have like a computer that can like make dog noises <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> do you remember when like that movie from dreamworks like sinbad whatever do you remember sinbad Does anyone i remember sinbad from? yeah okay so there's a dog there's mm-hmm. a dog in there and it was like such a big deal in advertising that the dog was voiced by a dog. <laughs> they were like, they were like, yeah, we recorded actual dog sounds. <laughs> and in my head, I just don't un- like. I get it if your dog kind of talks, like Scooby talks. I get mm-hmm. it. I get yeah. it. Uh, but when it's just like an animal, it's like I voiced the chicken. What do you yeah. mean you voice the chicken? The chick- like, in Moana, what's his face? Like, voicing Hey Hey. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, right. He's, uh, he's a famous guy. You're voicing the chicken? They gave you millions of dollars to walk into the sound bus- <laughs> b- b- booth and just go. <laughs> it's, Al- it's, yeah, it's Alan Turdick. Because yeah. it came up for, like, no, the chicken voice yeah. actor. I was like, what do you mean? Alan Turdick, explain. What do you mean you voice the chicken? What does that mean? Does the chicken talk? No. It just goes. <laughs> <laughs> they have a little video for him. Like, here he is in the recording session. <laughs> I'm watching this make chicken noise. I just don't. <laughs> I need to stop watching this. It just keeps it's, looping. 
It's baffling. You know, that would be like if they got um, Liam Neeson to voice R2-D2. <laughs> right there. <now. laughs> you're like, and voicing the fish, you're like, what is Neil Gaiman? Oh, does this fish, like, say something existential? And the fish is like... And you're like, I'm sorry, excuse me. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, Alan Turner couldn't have been cheap. And also, how no. long? Like, he's not part of the whole move. How many various chicken noises did you have him? Did you have him act uh, every scene the chickens in, or did he make like ten chicken noises and leave? Did you like animate the chicken sound, like the chicken <laughs> to the sounds, like they do with like other animation? Like, you know, like Moana is like giving her lines, and then they animate her model to that those voice lines, and they do the same thing with the chicken. Like, <laughs> I need someone to uh, explain, please, please, anyone, just. Please tell me. <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> I need a voice. Like who? Who listens to the show? That is a producer and voice actor. I need you to explain to me why we would get a real, whole grown ass human to voice an animal that doesn't talk, <laughs> and not just like the Dave at the studio that makes the chicken sounds, like Sharon at the studio that can sound exactly like a real ass cat. Like they're like no. We need an actor to come in here to give like a real gravitas gravy performance to this chicken. <laughs> Austin, I don't have a good segue. No, it's okay. I, I did. I was racking you. my mind. I was like, noise, Nickelodeon. How? No, but we will begin <laughs> with my topic that I had intended for Halloween. It's great how it's Halloween right now. It's great that it's still October, you know, it's snowing, which it shouldn't be in October quite yet, but it's fine. Um, Halloween candy. Austin, do you expect to get trick-or-treaters at your house? I expect exactly ten trick-or-treaters. Don't ask exactly me how I know. Exactly ten in these exact outfits. <laughs> <laughs> there will be three Spider-Men. There will be, there'll be two teenagers wearing a black cloak and nothing else. There will be concerningly one kid dressed as Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you know who this is and why? <laughs> Some one kid is Chainsaw Man, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh boy, I'm really popular. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell the story of a writer. This writer was born in 1943 in Columbus, Ohio, and he initially considered himself to be like a comedy writer. He even like did a like he released like joke books for his college. He had a um a comedy magazine similar to Mad Magazine that he did with Scholastic called Bananas. In 1989, he became the head writer for one of the earliest shows to air on Nickelodeon, Eureka's Castle, which is a show in the writer's own words was like, it's like Sesame Street, but we weren't teaching kids anything. <laughs> <laughs> he would end up writing the novelizations of Ghostbusters 2 and Spaceballs, and he would even write some erotica for a men's magazine. This guy just that, did that everything. That last one, that last one's the curve. That's the, you buried the lead <laughs> on that one. Also, he wrote porn. <laughs> he wrote porn. You know, he's just doing a lot of writing, considers himself mostly a comedian, but... You know, he's just kind of, like, getting his work out there. However, in 1986, he released his first full-length original novel. Not a comedy, but a horror book aimed at teens and young adults called Blind Date. 
And this book would go on to do fairly well for this writer. And after that, he would shift mostly just to doing horror books. And in 1989, he would release his first ongoing horror series. Now, Austin, Mm -hmm. do you know who I'm talking about? Have you figured it out? The only person I can think of for ongoing horror series is R.L. Stein. Ta-da! It's R.L. Stein! Got him. Well, I'm not doing R.L. Stein. I'm specifically doing Goosebumps. Got him. I'm here to talk about the ongoing horror anthology book series, Goosebumps, by R.L. Stein, which is the second best-selling children's book series in history behind the unnameable boy wizard, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> I believe in you. L- listen, you know what? I believe in you, R.L. Stein. Get that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just keep Get going, her. R.L. Let's go. Austin, this turned out to be a tale of um, publishing drama, ghostwriters, Canadian television shows, and lost media. Like, it was a doozy. I went into this being like, all right, well, we're going to learn about, like, you know, how um, R.L. Stein revolutionized the genre of children's horror that still continues to be a popular genre of children's media to this very day. But um, a lot more happened. <laughs> so... Every time with these, we're like, this should be kind of easy, right? Like, it'll yeah. be simple. Oh, my God. They went to court for what? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. I have to look at court documents again? Again? <laughs> I, I'm so sick of court doc. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm i going to let you continue with this right now because I love you. But you have no idea how much court do- <laughs> how many court documents we look at for this show. Stop doing illegal stuff. It's like, why do I just, like, I become an expert. I, I I didn't cheat so much with this one where I found someone who summarized the entire incident and I credited them and I'll credit them no, that's, uh, when I get to that point. You're better than me. Uh, I was just like, I'm a masochist. I can't. I'm like, I must read this document myself. I was like, this will take me days. <laughs> anyway, in 1983, um... Sorry, I wrote this down wrong. Jill Stein is R.L. Stein's wife. I, can, Robert, also, can, I, can, Robert can I read Lee. you? Yeah. Can I read you the exact um, wording in my notes that I put here? Please. It says, in 1983, Jane Stein, R.L. Stein's wife, Jill Stein, opened a publishing company. <laughs> so at some point I realized I wrote her name wrong, went to fix it, made it worse, fucked it up on the podcast. Nice. Anyway, no, her name's Jill Stein. Her, um, she opens a publishing company with her business partner, Joan Wurcha, Wurcha, Rich, something like that. Joan, called Parachute Press. Um, Parachute Press published the Goosebump books for a long time. They also published the Mary Kate and Ashley novels for a while. So, like, okay. that was kind of there. And, like, they published some of R.L. Stein's like, earlier horror work. Mm-hmm. I read, like, a blurb where, like... <laughs> He was talking about how his wife would sometimes turn down his uh, manuscripts. And he'd be like, things would get a little tense at home. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, your wife said your manuscript was trash. That's pretty... I Listen, deciding to, like, work professionally with a partner like that is so... That is, like, a very deep trust you have to have in your your life. And it, it gets more intense later on down the line. I'm like, God, you guys, are, you're still together. What do you, what's your secret? <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I give her my manuscripts and she insults me. I'm into it. <laughs> so they're publishing Fear Street. It's a big success. Fear Street is R.L. Stein's first like horror anthology series that he released. It's aimed at slightly older audience than Goosebumps, about like teens, mm-hmm. um, teen and up. It's really popular with, like, female readers, which kind of becomes important later on. Um, 
And it, like, frequently topped, like, the New York Times bestseller list. Like, that's how Mm -hmm. good it was doing. So Jill Mm -hmm. and her business partner, Joan, come to R.L. Stein and they're like, hey, what if you wrote a horror series for the 7 to 12 age demographic? Because it hadn't been done really before that time. There's, like, horror series that are, like, out there. There's, like, I guess Benicula could be considered, like, a horror series that had been out for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, like, but there wasn't, like, anything more recent that was, like, just for that age demographic. And at first, R.L. Stein is like, no. (laughs) No. I'm not going to do it. He didn't want to um, cheapen the Fear Street brand. He was worried if he started writing books for younger kids, Fear Mm -hmm. Street would become unpopular because by association – and he mm-hmm. didn't like because teens are like, oh well, like he's writing kitty books. I don't want to read this. They're fickle. Uh, so he was like, I I'll write these books mm-hmm. if I can find the perfect title. So eventually, mm-hmm. he's going through the TV guide and he sees an advertisement for a horror movie block on TV that had the word goosebumps in it, and he was like, by Joe, <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. It's perfect. It's age appropriate. It's like. He's like, okay, I'll do a couple. So Parachute Press partners with Scholastic as part of a six-book deal in 1991. And the first Goosebumps book to come out is Welcome to Dead House in July of 1992. Second book would come out the same exact month, that's Stay Out of the Basement. And then mm-hmm. the third one would come out in September, and that's Monster Blood. So these were just, he was just pumping these out, like, mm-hmm. really fast. They're not long books. They're about, like, 120 pages yeah. maximum. They're short. They're, they're like, really short. They're short. They're for kids. Uh, yeah. Easily. It, it Even as a kid, though, it really baffled me. Like, wasn't there, I was like, wasn't there a book, like, a week? Is this, who, what, who's writing these? Yeah, there was literally one coming out every single month for years. <laughs> like, Sleep. Very consistently. <laughs> He's like, buddy, come on. And then at the same time, he was also still writing Fear Street. He was mm-hmm. writing um, side stories. Like there's like short story collections for Goosebumps. And he was writing like the Choose Your Own Adventure books for Goosebumps as well. He was not sleeping. But we will come back to um, how extensive this workload was. This is important. Put a pin in that for later. Extensive workload. Burn yeah. it. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Um, well, burnout, maybe not. We'll see. Anyway, Welcome to Dead House is the first mm-hmm. book, and it's infamous for being like more darker and grittier than the others. This is the, this is the book in the series that gets banned the most because it features like mm-hmm. actual dead people, mm-hmm. really scary, perilous situations. It's definitely a transitional book between Fear Street and the rest of the Goosebumps series. Because as mm-hmm. Goosebumps goes on, it gets progressively just like zanier and zanier whereas like a lot of these earlier books were really like grounded horror like welcome mm-hmm. to dead house features this neighborhood full of like all these creepy um ghosts undead people um don't go in the basement features like this these kids whose dad is a scientist who has been turned into a plant monster in the basement mm-hmm. it's you know it's like so it kind of it, it do they eventually deviate away from like this more serious horror to like this bunny's fucking weird <laughs> like Slappy's back again. <laughs> How many times do we the, have to teach you this lesson, old man? The the mask. Ah. Oh, the mask. Uh, the first mask is really creepy, and then it's like, oh, the mask is back. Yeah, it. You could. You. I mean, you can tell people are like, hey, kids are like having real, like real nightmares, not just like ah. <laughs> uh, they're like these. These children are disturbed. <laughs> it's like you're really scaring people but you tone it down a little bit monster blood four 
<laughs> Whoa! Well, some of them feel like Twilight Zone episodes, too. Yeah, like, I would say one that really feels like a Twilight Zone episode is um, How I Learned to Fly, I think is what it's called. What's that one? I'm so bad about the names. Yeah, so that one features this kid, and he, like, I don't exactly remember. I remember this was, like, the book I liked the most. It doesn't have a monster in it. It's just about this mm-hmm. kid who, like, somehow he learns to fly. I don't know if it's, like, mm-hmm. a goop or if it's shoes or something. But I'm pretty sure this book ends with just the kid kind of floating off into the sky. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> bye. I have a quote from R.L. Stein about his process of writing Goosebumps. And he has mm-hmm. said, I thought it would be great to write a bunch of kids' books where no one learns and no one grows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is a big complaint that a lot of, like, school systems and parents have with the books is that, like, they're not there to really teach you lessons unless the lesson no. is like, hey, if you suspect your dad is a plant monster, I don't know, maybe just don't go in the basement. <laughs> like That's, <laughs> I learned to write a bunch of books that um, everyone sucked and bad things happened to them. <laughs> and then what? Much. That's the end of the book. <laughs> Sometimes oh, you really okay. just hate the kids. Like the main antagonists <laughs> are just awful. And you're like, I hate this kid. And then he like turns into like soup or something. And you're like, ha ha. Your soup now. <laughs> so welcome to Dead Houses Al. There's like, there's a couple books out. They're getting close to hitting mm-hmm. like that six book initial agreement with Scholastic. Mm-hmm. R.L. Stein used his experience with being the co-writer for Eureka's Castle to, and like, he used a lot of his comedy background in Goosebumps in order to create like stories that were like scary, but like also like appealing to kids. And there's like, you know, people talk about how there's like this fine line between humor and horror. I think like the Key and Peel sketches are a good example of this, how like a lot of Key and Peel sketches are just like, something's escalating ominously and you're kind of laughing, mm-hmm. but you're also just like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> So he kind of used like that sort of approach to the series instead of just being like a slasher story, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's this real like suspense and and build up and there's like all these like fake out horror, like at the end of chapters, like cliffhangers where they're like, you think a kid's like going to like beef it and then they end up just like stepping in a puddle and everything's fine. Like they have all these like escalations and then de-escalations immediately. That keeps kids reading because like kids have short attention spans and Mm -hmm. um if you keep them like attached to like what they're reading, like with like, you know, it's like, Oh, they got to read the next chapter. Cause they got to mm-hmm. figure out like, did little Timmy fall off the side of a mountain or did he just like kick a rock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's doing really well. They're like hitting like the bestseller list. They're like very controversial, but that makes kids want to read them more. Yeah. It's everyone. Scholastic book fair. Like get out of the Ooh. fucking way. Yeah. It's like, I remember my school, like I can't remember the specifics of this, but I remember people weren't allowed to check out goosebumps, oh under a certain grade you couldn't check out goosebumps books i think it was like you had to be in fourth grade and up which is a little out of the demographic but yeah you had to be like a certain age and eventually they like lifted it but it was like it was a whole big thing i remember everyone was like no you can't read these uh so how i learned to fly the ending is he has like a friend who also like his dad's excited because his dad's like a failing talent so his dad sucks then he has a friend who he helps learn how to fly and the friend becomes famous and doesn't want to hang out with him anymore. And so then the kid pretends he can't fly anymore. Uh, oh, is that how that ended? I remember there's like one where like a kid just like ollies please? off into the sun. <laughs> you know, he pretends he can't fly anymore. Then he tells his other friend that stuck around that he can still fly, but he pretended he couldn't anymore. So he would get his old life back. And then sometimes at night he flies over their school. 
still. See, that one's like a lot more existential than a lot of the other ones, which yes. I think that's just that's kind of always one. been my this jam. Is yeah. Like 97. Bro, there's so many. The, this is, it's the 52nd book. <laughs> so 50 many. 52nd book. When did he start again? He started in 1992. From 1992 to 1997, this man wrote 52 books, at least. This, is, this isn't this is the last book in that year. No, you might... Because one, if you look at the release schedule, it's every single month. Like clockwork. And it's like, man, wow, I don't think one person can keep up with that. <laughs> I don't know what you want. This kid's a chicken. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, oh, man. Monster Blood 4! <laughs> The next book is called Chicken Chicken. The the child becomes a chicken. <laughs> oh my god. I can see the cover of that one. It's like you go from like the monster of fever yeah. swamp to like chicken chicken. How, what, how do you, I, what do you want from me? When I became afraid of bees. Like, <laughs> it's like you go from say cheese and die to yeah. Slappy's back <laughs> again. <laughs> so when Arlstein was like originally writing Fear Street. He mm-hmm. he was getting like a lot of fan letters from like young girls who were like reading the series, like teen girls, and they were like reading the series. And so he was like, "This girls like horror." That's what he built up in his head. He's like, "Girls like horror." So mm-hmm. Goosebumps is for girls. This is this was his, his logic. He was like, Good. "I'm writing for the same demographic." And then he started getting letters from like equally boys and girls, and he was like, "Huh, this is unforeseen." <laughs> and it turns out, like without even trying, he managed to like snag that like boys readership demographic that like teachers are always trying just so hard to wrangle because <laughs> like, it turns out boys like monsters who would have thought <laughs> like who would have figured this out he's like so baffled by this like i didn't expect boys to read it boys love boys love weird monster blood and shit like that they love like spooky shit <laughs> goosebumps is for girls i guess yeah our boys are reading it oh weird it's not oh. for them girls are the ones yeah. who wrote me fan letters and it's like it's really cool this guy was writing like these horror books for girls because like so often like horror is like considered like a more quote-unquote masculine uh, mm-hmm. demographic and he just like, didn't even consider that because he'd are always written horror for women <laughs> he was like i'm just gonna keep doing that and somehow he snagged this very elusive demographic that all these other writers are trying to get a hold of and he's like got him like, without even trying gonna talk briefly about the covers because i feel like the covers for goosebumps are like yes. really iconic the yes. covers are different now which i feel like is a mistake like i i get that you have to like modernize stuff but i just mm-hmm. think like yo they're so good <laughs> like mm-hmm. the first two covers were done by um an artist called jim Thiessen. so like welcome to dead house and stay out of the basement had like more realistic covers but the majority of the covers so like over a hundred covers were done by an artist called J- uh, tim jacobus and um he did these all by hand like this is before digital arts a thing so they were done wow. on 20 by 20 illustration board using a combination of airbrush and acrylic and his art was like brightly colored but spooky because it always had like weird angles like he would always like put the angle down on the floor so like it's kind of like a kid's perspective of whatever they're looking at or there'd be just like weird perspectives and just he just like altered the image just to kind of make it look a little spooky. But it was also like really appealing to kids because it's bright and colorful and really iconic and like really haunting in its own way. Like the Slappy fucking hate Slappy. <laughs> hate him so much. Like the way this guy draws Slappy. It's just like I hate him. 
Slappy is, I feel like the first Slappy is, like, scary. The first Slappy's very scary. It's just, like, these kids find this, like, ventriloquist dummy, Mm -hmm. and he just kind of, like, they start becoming convinced that he's real. And then he is real and then they're like well what do we what do we do and they try to like tell their parents that's that's another big motif is like you know parents not listening to the kids um which isn't great we could talk about snuffleupagus and but anyway anyway so like (laughs) they have to like face down slappy themselves and i think in the first is it the first slappy where another dummy comes to life or is that second slappy that might be second i know like slappy is like the bad guy of if Goosebumps is in a connected world, Slappy is the fucking like Thanos. Slappy always comes back. Yeah, Slappy's been in like the show, the movies, like both movies, I think. Yeah, both movies. He's been in like he had his own like spinoff series. He's had numerous books in the original Goosebumps, and then in like the following series of Goosebumps that have come out more recently. He had like a comic book series. Like Slappy, Slappy is maybe. We, I've made peace with Slappy, but as a child, this was <laughs> yeah, maybe fuck that doll. maybe what scared me the most out of anything. I think it was the fact that you can't get rid of him. You can't just catch no. Slappy on fire and get rid of him. He doesn't go away. You can, there's nothing you can do. Slappy's gonna fucking come back. <laughs> like, Slappy has a wiki page. Like Slappy himself has a wiki page. This is not like about the book. This is like <laughs> Slappy's. Slappy has like a backstory. <laughs> Slappy's history. He was built in 1943. <laughs> like, I gotta look Literally. at this page really quick. Slappy Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Slappy was, uh, it's so funny, like, I stated that I am Slappy's evil twin long ago, a man named Frank. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like Slappy's fictional character bibliography. <laughs> he was in Night of the Living Dummy, Night of the Living Dummy 2, Night of the Living Dummy 3, Bride of the Living Dummy, Slappy's Nightmare, Revenge you know, of the, the other thing is, like, I don't know if Slappy or Chucky came first. I feel Chucky like it had to be Chucky, because, yeah. like, that's, like, the play on the name. But I think they really lean into that, like, he's kids Chucky kind of thing. Pretty much. He is, like, you know, when they get to, like, Bride of the Dummy, I'm like, okay, this is just, this is just Chucky again. Like, you're just writing Chuck- kids Chucky. <laughs> like, there's um, Revenge of the Living Dummy, uh, Streets of Panic Park. Slappy New Year, son of Slappy. It's just like he also appears in his own series, Slappy World. Incredible. <laughs> Which has eighteen books. They're still coming out. They're still coming out in July of twenty twenty three. Eighteen on- Slappy, just Slappy books. I think he might just be the narrator. Let me see. I think he's the narrator. Oh, this one's called Slappy Birthday to You. When Ian received Slappy the Dummy for his birthday, who keeps gifting this this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know, because, like, in the year of 2020, like, in the 90s or whatever, yeah. But in the year of 2022, who looks at a clearly cursed object and is like, I should give this to my kid. To <laughs> so a kid. Like, we know better by now. We know better. We have um, 13 sorry. slappy books. <laughs> this one is called The Dummy Meets the Mummy. And the, um, this one is, after Slappy is sent to a museum, he's forced to face off against a mummy. <laughs> face up <laughs> you can do it slappy you have more kids to turn <laughs> oh and this one slappy leaves his diary behind at a kid's house <laughs> see th- okay this one's called diary of a dummy it says after accidentally bringing slappy the dummy home and managing to send him away again billy and maggie discover that he left something behind in their house his diary and it might lead them to untold riches I'm the concept of, of slappy 
writing in a diary. Oh, dear diary, I harassed some kids today. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, this one's called Monster Blood is Back. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Slappy's like the mascot of the series. He does he doesn't go away. He was like no. the main character. I meant to watch the Goosebumps movie for this so I could comment on it. Mm-hmm. I I it was I couldn't I didn't. <laughs> I heard the first one's great, but I have not seen it yet. But anyway, Slappy's in there. He's kind of like the evil version of Jack Black's R.L. Stein, so he looks like Jack Black <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Back to the illustrations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tim Jacobus got extra money from Scholastic if he would let them keep all of his art. So he owns none of it. He gave them the originals, mm. and Scholastic still has the originals. Oh yeah, he has like that's, that's yeah, good he, yeah. So it's like Scholastic can like make like infinite merch and stuff from it, and um, he has like one piece from his autobiography that he did in conjunction with R.L. Stein. Mm. But that's the only piece of art from Goosebumps that he owns. So it's 1996. Sales of Goosebumps are through the roof. They are making up 15% of Scholastic's entire revenue. Millions of copies are being sold every month. Jesus Christ. No pressure, R.L. Stein. You got this, Robert. Keep keep going, Robert. You can do this. In 1995, Parachute Press gives full non-publication rights to Scholastic. This Mm -hmm. is a mistake. So Scholastic can make infinite money from goosebumps so they start just churning out merchandise like anything you can think of they are just like pumping it out shortly after this the live action series would release this is a canadian produced series that would air in the united states on fox kids with the first episode airing on primetime on the fox network do you remember what the first episode of the goosebumps series is i don't it's the haunted mask, and it's significant oh, because so it's a longer I was episode. Go- Damn, I was gonna guess that one, but I'm like, that's just because I think of it all the time. Yeah, because like, that it. one, everyone owned this, like, because they released this on VHS, and everyone oh, had yeah. this. And oh yeah, this one's, yeah, this one's significant because R.L. Stein kind of like did the narration for it because it was a prime time event, and okay, they had to like add him. padding. That is him. That is that's not someone pretending to be him. That is actually that's R. what Stein. I as a kid I always thought that too, but I didn't know if that was a fact or I just like it is told myself that as a kid. They had to pad out the time to like make it fit like the full prime time slot, so that's why that mm-hmm. special's like a little bit longer, and he's present to kind of talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like he always has this funny little smile on his face, just like hello. <laughs> like, so the show, um, the show's a pretty big success. It's not like well produced. So there's episodes that are better produced than others. So the Haunted mm-hmm. Mask, it's great. It's like it's still, great. yeah, it holds up to this day. Uh, Horrorland is another one that's like. Pretty good production value because they have to get all the rubber suits for all the horrors in that one. There's others that it's like, is that is that a ghost? What is that? Like, <laughs> yeah, is it a ghost or just a person in like bad makeup? Like, what? So it's pretty successful. It air it has 74 episodes and it runs up until 1998 when it gets canceled. Wow. In 1997, Goosebumps Horrorland Fright Show and Funhouse opens at Disney MGM Studios. I remember this. Slappy was there. It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to like. It, I don't like to be frightened. Mm-hmm. Me too. And so the idea of going to a place meant to frighten you as a child just seems like a lot. Yeah, like as a kid. And especially, this is a Disney park. 
MGM mm-hmm. was lawless. Like, and Hollywood Studios, I guess, nowadays was, right. like, completely lawless during this time period. There was, like, always something new in that chunk of the park. So it went from this, like, pretty high production Hunchback of Notre Dame show to, like, a Goosebumps horror funhouse. And now Slappy's here. <laughs> it was just very <laughs> jarring. We're all here to have a good normal time. Also, Slappy will not stop staring at you. <laughs> He's, like, hanging out at the top of the funhouse, just, like... His eyes are just following you like, meh. <laughs> hate so much. Wherever I go, Slappy's there. Did I tell you that while I was, I was finishing up research for this yesterday and I was reading about Slappy <laughs> and mm. my mom comes into oh, my room. This. She has a fucking doll in her no. arms that I've never seen before. No. And I was like, ah. Get the and fuck she, out. <laughs> and she's like. My mom used to make these for a sorority in Flint. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you fucking first- talking about? Lee? Are you telling me this thing has been in my house for <laughs> no for decades? Nope. And now it's just, it's just sitting in the kitchen. And I'm like, I walked to the kitchen and I'm like, ah, she's just sitting on the counter. And I'm like, what do we do with this thing? It's been in my house this whole time. <laughs> like- I, listen, I don't, you're stronger than me. It's like, oh, thanks. Can I see it? It's gone. I'm not, I will not disclose <laughs> what I would be doing with it, but I am, it is, it will be, if you give me a clearly cursed and creepy doll, I am letting you know <laughs> it will be gone and you will never see it again and I will never see it again and we won't talk about it. Okay? But here's don't, the thing. Don't bring it to my house. <laughs> Slappy has instilled a trauma in me because I'm like, if I try to move this someplace, it will just be back from where I moved it. No, like, but remember their rules. If you find a creepy phrase on it, don't say, cause that's the problem. They bring oh, Slappy yeah. to life. They're like, what's this weird inscription? And they read it and Slappy's like, thanks, you fucking idiot. Why would you read that? <laughs> exactly. So no weird inscriptions, but it's like, oh my God, when is, wh- is this just staying on the counter now? Like I had to f- go out and get ibuprofen in the middle of the night and I was just like, it was there. And I was uh-uh. like, ah. <laughs> your mom's gotta know better <laughs> but you know what it's halloween so i get it yeah it's it's october it's spooky month whatever allegedly my grandma made it so i guess we know the history but it's like i've Mm-mm. never seen this thing before in my life well speaking so I, we can't to this because of twilight zone and in twilight zone the problem is there's no rules they just get the doll and it's too late yeah it's that's the thing twilight zone started this and it's like you get talking teen in your house and it's fucking over it's over it's too fucking late you shouldn't have got it <laughs> and my mom, my mom always like, talks about how talking teen traumatized her and i'm like you have to understand you talk about this all the time you have to understand <laughs> you know like slabby is my talking tina <laughs> like, and that's like so i can i can always use scary when there's a rule it's like don't watch the video don't read slappy's inscription like there are rules but something like talking tina is like what did you do wrong? Well, you got it. Yeah, that's but, you just brought well, it into the house. Well, how could I have known? No, that's the that and that's the real horror of just like sometimes bad things just happen to people, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you can do about sometimes you just bring a hell creature into your house, and you can't do anything about it. Like, what did I do wrong? You breathed. <laughs> you got <laughs> the thing you did wrong was waking up this morning. Actually, <laughs> there's this podcast I listened to that just got canceled by Spotify. Anyway, Ugh. it's called um. Uh, every little thing and mm-hmm. so the, the premise of every little thing was that and this is relevant trust me mm-hmm. but anyway the premise is that like people will call in with like you know just like weird obscure questions so like someone i listen to this podcast when i sleep it's great because usually you wake up and they're like why are there no flamingo sports mascots and um what's 
the deal with fruit flies. And you're like, I'm going to learn a little bit before I go back to sleep. There's an episode on talking toys. And no. there's a, a period in the middle of the talking toy episode where they play audio from the first toy that talked. And I, oh, I jump Mm-mm. scare myself. And I wake up and there's this, and I can't even stop. <laughs> it's like, Mm-mm. it's a, it's a hell that I subject myself to several <laughs> times a week on accident. <laughs> like, scary stuff. Anyway, that doll is still up in the kitchen and I don't know what we're going to do with it. <laughs> Wow. So between 1992 and 1996, Scholastic would earn over $60 million for merchandise sales on Goosebump stuff alone. Like $60 million. And Jesus. Just, I... <laughs> like, wow. And then also because Parachute Press gave away all of the rights to this, they're seeing none of this profit. None of it. So as like the 90s wear on and like, you know, nobody really cares about Mary Kane Ashley anymore. <laughs> Parachute Press starts to get a little desperate. That was brutal. Yeah. Sorry. It's true. It's like, you know, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley were like... No, it's true. We, we, it's true. They, they went through horrors. We did that to them. Well, not me. We I did was, that We were them. kids, but adults Yeah, we were just enjoying, them. enjoying them going on, like, fun little adventures. Because yeah. they were, like, in a series, like, where they, like, went on adventures. And then they, like, yeah. you know, got a little older and they did, like, teen movies. And this whole time, like, you know, Parachute Press is re- releasing, like, a book series, which yeah. I read religiously. And then <laughs> like, adults were like, anyway, you don't care about them anymore. We're like, okay. Yeah, they're just <laughs> I, like, not much I can. If you tell me I can't, if there's nowhere to watch them, I guess that's it for me. Yeah, it's like, we're just done. So, like, Parachute Press isn't bringing in the big bucks. Like, Goosebumps is still mm-hmm. doing good, but... And, like, Arl Stein is still intermittently writing Fear Street... Not as, like, often as, like, he used to, because, like, he's um, doing apparently five million things. So, in 1996, the legal battle begins. Here we go. Parachute Press begins a legal battle with Scholastic in order to gain some percentage of their merchandising revenue. Mm -hmm. They get the entertainment attorney, Robert Thorne, who had actually um, represented the Olsen twins previously. I didn't look up what case previously he represented them. It's not super important. But anyway... Um, he demanded that Scholastic pay Parachute Press $10 million and return the merchandising rights to them, as Boy. well as give them a spot on Scholastic's board of directors. That's a lot of demands. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, maybe you could get, like, the $10 million or the merchandising rights, and, like, asking for a spot on the board of directors is, like, calm down. I just, like, like <laughs> imagine walking into, these are, they are the motherfuckers in your field right now. You're like, I demand, that's like walking into, like, Disney for, and, like, good or bad as like a marvel art like a marvel comic artist like i demand my merch rights back for this character i made mm-hmm. there's no there's no way they took this there's of course that'd be a lawsuit there's no way they listen to you what are you talking about leave exactly so things go sour and then in 1997 scholastic launches a countersuit <laughs> oh alleging- buddy there you go <laughs> yeah. alleging that rl stein utilized outside help to write his books <laughs> Um, did, so okay, like, so did R.L. Stein ask for this lawsuit, or is he just catching a stray right now? Is he just like, he just, he's just like somewhere doing his thing, and they're like, R.L. Stein's a fucking liar. <laughs> Whoa, what did I do? Yeah, he's just kind of like getting his work done. He didn't seem to have like a lot of involvement with like wanting money. And he works, spoiler, he works with Scholastic to this day. He never <laughs> really stopped working with them. Um, that has which is the why- energy of like, he's just like, 
I don't, you guys are fighting about, like, literally millions of dollars. I am a simple offer. Please leave me out of it. <laughs> He's like, I'm writing my silly little horror books until the day that I die. <laughs> like, I just start my silly little books. I, I'm writing a uh, horror of the mess 15. Please leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing another slappy book. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, I, no fault. He found a way to do something he enjoys and make money. Like, props to him. Yeah, it's like, if you can keep like thinking of new things like make slappy go to space hey rl rl that, that's a freebie um slappy goes to space can you imagine you can't get away from him i and can't i will space. say rl that's actually not a freebie i represent brenda that one is not free i <laughs> you will be hearing from me if i see slappy go to space <laughs> for all we know slappy's already been to space yeah i don't like, fuck it. i have not read the 15 slappy books or whatever you're right that's fair <laughs> I don't think either of us have even read all of the Goosebumps books. No, There's absolutely. hundreds no. of them. When, when I saw there were 52 books in 1997, I was like, oh, I thought I had read a lot of these, but I don't think I've read even a fraction. Yeah, it's like, turns out. There's too many. <laughs> Even in just the original <laughs> series, there's too right, many. Right, because there's been like a new, there's a new series. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I don't, we're not there yet. We're at a lawsuit We're still. not there. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. But anyway, so I got a lot of this information from the avocado.org that um, broke down the legal proceedings of this whole thing. So anyway, Scholastic in their suit alleges that Stein wrote the first 16 Goosebumps books. And then after that, he would get he got ghostwriters to write them and goosebumps fans analyze this they like try to figure out like which ones rl wrote and which ones rl didn't write rl himself says he wrote them all like he tweeted in 2017 he says it's me every book you know he according to him he wrote and he'll still say he wrote them all but worryingly parachute didn't didn't openly deny these allegations. Mm. They stated that Stein hired assistants whenever needed to prepare draft manuscripts, fleshing out Stein's 10 to 12 page outlines. But Stein says that he utilized ghostwriters for Fear Street, not for Goosebumps. To this day, he still insists he wrote all of the Goosebumps books. So, he's still just writing his books. This is all happening. Everything's going south. Scholastic's um, stocks are tanking. Because of this mess, like everything's going to shit. Goosebumps books just aren't selling like they used to because there's like a hundred of them, and now it's been a decade, almost a decade. Yeah, this like nineteen ninety seven. Like the original buy-in crew, like we've we haven't moved, we've aged out. Like he writes it for a very specific age demographic, yep. and it's been a decade. We're like they're fun. I might buy like the haunted mask because I remember liking it or something, but I'm not gonna buy. I have no reason to buy a new Goosebumps book. Exactly. It's just like not tailored to the demographic. And younger kids aren't interested in it. They have their own things that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Probably like Captain Underpants or some shit like that. I don't know. Right. That, was probably, that was probably it. So in 1997 of December, the final book of the original Goosebumps series, Monster Blood 4, is released. Stein, he keeps working with Scholastic against his wife's wishes. <laughs> like I said, I'm surprised that they're still together because holy shit. Like... Jill Stein, your manuscripts are garbage. I know, dear. You should really use Scholastic. They treat you like garbage. Uh-huh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> like, whatever you say, <laughs> keeps working with Scholastic forever. <laughs> you ain't never been wrong. Keep <laughs> Cash is not a- Listen, they they may treat me like garbage, but this, this money is still green. I do not give a fuck. I get it. You yeah, gotta secure like- the bag. 
And that Scholastic money pays, so, like... Pays. They can say whatever the fuck they want to... Like, am I still employed? Yes. Okay, I'm, what do I fucking care? It's like, this is, like, the cushiest deal for a writer. He just has to kind of keep writing. He has, like, tons and tons of money, because he's right. getting paid. Like, like who... who? Can, it's like when people are mad about some pop star or something, and, like, we're gonna buy out a row of seats so it's empty, but we're not gonna go. Who fucking, I don't fucking care. What do you, they will who not cares? They will I don't not care. Your money is still green, bro. I don't do, I do not care. Say whatever, say whatever you want in the press. I'm still your employee. You want these books to sell, right? Okay. Who fucking cares? Let's move on. <laughs> He's like, I'll just keep writing slappy books. And <laughs> <laughs> like, if Scholastic is going to keep paying me, Scholastic can slur my name all they want. They still need me to sell books anyway. <laughs> They can say any shit they want to me, like I'm I will Stein, not baby. <laughs> I will not cease. Everyone loves me. Well, what I don't know what his deal is like. Like, can they? If they would have pushed him out, like, could they even keep doing like Goosebumps or the movies or anything? So not at this point, but we will get to that. So the original Goosebumps series ends in 1998. Stein mm. and Scholastic get together to create a revival series called Goosebumps 2000 with mm. a darker, older tone to try to get those mm. kids who aged out. Chasing so, us. So, exactly. Which, you know, on paper, seems like a great idea. But yeah. unfortunately, with the lawsuit and everything, like all the bad blood and um, between them and like the fights, and it just, kids weren't buying them like they used to. So it ran for a while, but then it got canceled with 25 books in total being released. And then the 26th, which had already gotten, like, a title and a cover, never being released. Like, it didn't get written, but, mm. you know, it was called The Incredible Shrinking Fifth Grader, and Tim Jacobus had done art for it, but it just never ended up coming out. And for a while, that was it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's tough, right? Because, like, so a decade, so, like, if, let's take us, we would have been, like, first class of book fairs, like, you're five. So mm-hmm. we're approaching eighth grade? Like, we're approaching, we're saying anything about, like, being high schoolers. Yeah, it's like, and, um... You know, a lot of people drop off of reading around that time. Yeah, I was like, that's like, you're like, reading isn't cool, man. A lot of people are getting more internet access at that time. Mm-hmm. Reading fan fiction. Reading fan fiction. They're writing fan fiction. Uh, they're watching more media because you're getting online. There's YouTube. There's just like more stuff for like people to do at that mm-hmm. age too. Like you're hitting high school. If you had older friends, they might be driving already. Like, if you have an older sibling or an older cousin you hang out with, like, that demographic is, like, really hard to grab for, like, reading. And if they're reading, they're reading what, like, what is cool, like, what's popular. We know what was popular at that time. Yeah, you don't want to be caught reading a Goosebumps book, even if it has, like, the moniker of being Goosebumps, like, 2000. Yeah. Goosebumps is still for kids. It's, it's yeah, kind of the thing exactly. that RL initially feared with, like, Fear Street, is that, like, Fear Street would become uncool being associated with his name and Goosebumps. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of bit him in the ass eventually because when he tried to age up Goosebumps, just being attached to that name made it unsuccessful. Yeah, it's too late. It's the... Yeah. It would be, like... It's not exactly, it's not a preschool, but like if it was Care Bears for like middle schoolers. Because even that is like, mm-hmm. well, Care Bears is for babies, right? Is what a is what a fourth grader would say. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so it's too, it's too late because you hinged your brand on these kids, but they aged out. And for whatever reason, you didn't catch the new kids. Like that's, that should have been the idea is like, we need to always be catching new kids. Yeah. Instead of like trying to like adjust Goosebumps to appeal to like that younger age range like find out like maybe, i don't know maybe add more internet i don't know i'm not an expert you tried yeah. to get the older kids and they're just not they're not gonna bite like 
They just, they won't do it. You need so what, to focus. what does RL do now? What happens? So this is the era where RL actually does try to get away from Scholastic. Um, <laughs> RL's like, all right, those ke- those checks are no longer coming in. You guys yep. are terrible. I do need to leave. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Parachute Press still has the rights to Goosebumps. So they try to take it to HarperCollins and mm-hmm. they start planning on releasing two series. Mm-hmm. The Nightmare Room, which would be a new horror anthology series, and Goosebumps Gold, which would be a 12-book mini-series that he would release with HarperCollins. Uh, Tim Jacobus did like uh, some art for it. There were a couple titles that had been released. One title mm-hmm. was like uh, Merry Christmas from Dead House. There was like another one that was like Happy New Year from Slappy or something. <laughs> no! <laughs> like, um, I can't get away from this man. <laughs> exactly. There was always there's some speculation for a while in like the Goosebumps fandom, because it's out there, mm-hmm. that um the gold books had been written and just never released. But mm-hmm. RL did get up and say, like, I'd never wrote them. Like, I outlined some of them. I had, you know, Tim did some of the art. I never wrote them. Like they aren't out there. So this culminates in two thousand three, Scholastic and Parachute Press finally reached their final settlement, which involves Scholastic paying out a little bit over $9 million to Parachute Press. Woo! And then Scholastic gets all of the rights to Goosebumps. So now Scholastic has everything. Damn. The issue is that, like, you can't have... Scholastic could release Goosebumps stuff without R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. But they also can't because, like, his name is so synonymous with it. Yeah, if you see Goosebumps, not R.L. Stein, like, what are you going to do? If he's like, yeah. Goosebumps, James Capello... It's not going to bring people in. Like, you know, like millennials are like, elder millennials are like the parents mm-hmm. now. So it's like they're, if they see a Goosebumps thing and it doesn't say R.L. Yeah. Stein, they're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, they can't divorce the series and the franchise from him. So yeah. he's still involved, like heavily, exactly. like involved with the series. Like he's still re- reading, like writing the slappy books and there's like graphic <laughs> novels now. Now I feel bad. Damn. They got that man <laughs> chained to a ch- He was, he like tried to get up and they're like, yep. Where you going RL? <laughs> you can't, you could never, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. Like, yeah, exactly. Like you ain't going to, Hey buddy, you want that new typewriter, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, you real- still write on a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine that he's like, I mean, that's my mechanical keyboard, but... Yeah, the story of, like, him starting writing is that he found a typewriter at age nine and then just, like, locked himself in his house. That's <laughs> incredible. And just, like, he's just started writing. And he's been a very successful writer. It's, like, I don't think... That's really what people strive for is just to have, like, a regular series and be able to, like, survive off your work. No. Everyone knows his name. I don't think that's what he necessarily set out to do, but everyone knows his name. I think he just wanted to do enough to make money Mm -hmm. (laughs) this whole time and ended up being the second most best-selling children's author ever which is wild so and rl stein has tried to like branch out every so often you see him like attached to like a different project so he tried to take like the nightmare room idea from his failed harper's collins deal and made a series with kids wb which is kids wb's only live action series and it was like an anthology horror series similar to goosebumps it didn't last very long. In 2008, Stein returns to work with Scholastic to write for Goosebumps again. And he's just been doing that ever since. Like, they took a break. 
He came back. There's the, the Slappy spinoff series. There was a Horrorland spin, spinoff series. There were video games released. Right. Slappy, Slappy's in the video game. Yep, he's in the video game. There's the movie, which starred Jack Black. And I heard the first movie's good. I heard the second one's not as good. But no. um, the, the movie came out. There's a musical, which <laughs> I found out. What does that mean? <laughs> literally Ow. at the twilight hour, I discovered the musical. Because I guess one of the songs from the musical has gone viral on TikTok. And I listened to the song. I'm losing and I my don't, fucking mind. What do I you don't. mean it's gone viral on TikTok? <laughs> okay, so... The musical is based on one of the Goosebumps novels, um, Fan of the Auditorium, which is like a... Yeah, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it's like Fan of the Opera, they're in a school. It's like Fan of the Megaplex, so they're in a school. You know, it's like... Yeah. Um, and like, I listened to the song that's gone viral on TikTok. New collectible CD? Is it because yeah. the song went viral on TikTok? Yeah, and it's like... What do you mean I original saw- cast recording? <laughs> I was just scrolling through my feed yesterday, and someone... A friend had, like, shared a post from, like, someone I don't know. And they, the per- this person was like, what do we do if, like, the Goosebumps musical becomes as popular as Hades Town?" And I was like, you mean Goosebumps as in the thing I just finished researching? And this is, like, 8 o'clock at night. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I found the Twitter. I listened to the music. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. This isn't me, Hades Town. Me, I need to... <laughs> No, okay, I keep getting the song Goosebumps from Travis Scott. I need the... What song from the musical went viral on TikTok? Oh, let me... Okay, let me... I have the Twitter. I, like, need to know. Here's the official Twitter. I think that's a link. (laughs) Yes, it is. I I am, like, so... Please keep talking. I will be doing this in the... Oh, that's not the right F. (laughs) Okay, so if you go to the Goosebumps the musical Twitter account... Yeah. This has been around since 2016, apparently. But anyway, you scroll down, they have, like, an ornament. <laughs> Goosebumps the musical. And it's this fan of the auditorium. So you can get this ornament for your tree. This is hilarious. Like, you get this Goosebumps the musical. Anyway, the second tweet under that is, like, um, a post that says, We heart how much you heart this song. Thanks for being the coolest and spookiest fans ever. Keep tagging us in your amazing videos. And then it features the song that went viral and a bunch of, like, images of people who used it in their TikToks. And I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, it's a, it's a song, but it's not. How do you use this in a TikTok? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm perplexed. I'm like, this isn't this isn't like a bad performance that I'm hearing right now. Yeah, it's just like a song from like a high school musical that you you would just put on at your high school. Yeah, which is I'm cool. like, this that is about the level of what I'm hearing is like this is what I expect for a Goosebumps musical meant to be taking place in a high school that's putting on a musical like right like it sounds like about that level the beat has a little bit of an anime kick like an anime opening kick like it's like very upbeat so i could see i saw some of them were like anime scenes i could see someone making a a, a fan cam of an anime character to To this this song not really hearing the lyrics you know just like the beat i don't understand tiktok and it's how i know that tiktok is going to someone was like the next age of social media influencers will be on tiktok and i'm like well and that's when i know i am truly old because i will not know who the fuck you were talking about because i yeah TikTok is like that was um jenny nichols um is it nichols nicholson jenny nichols mm-hmm. she said that and i was like i hate that you're right yeah, i'm so angry that correct. you're right and also jenny you don't listen to our podcast jenny why did you follow me on tiktok <laughs> Jenny, 
this has been driving me. I've been like so I haven't been like reposting anything on TikTok mm-hmm. because I'm like Jenny Nichols follows me on TikTok. And if Jenny This is your this is your chance. I don't know why. Like I can accidentally send her TikToks now. Like I go to send like my friends like the ship like shit posts and I next can Next time accidentally you want to click. send me next time you try to send me a horny TikTok, send it to her instead. And send I'm gonna friends. It's like, Jenny, I respect your body of work. I need to know, why did you follow? Like, she's not like a Garfield YouTuber. Like, was it the Megamind video where I, like, yell out the window, it's Megamind? Like, was it that video? <laughs> did you see that? And look at no. that and say, like, hmm, that's a, that's a fellow of quality and follow I, me? I think it every day. Uh, there are some people who follow me on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know what you're here for. It'll randomly happen. The other day, some, like, Twitter person that's a journalist for like latin america very specifically <laughs> they have like four hundred thousand followers i don't they're in like a different part of twitter than i am follow me i have no idea why i can't read their feed because it's like in spanish i don't speak spanish i'm like <laughs> i have no i didn't like a post of mine before following or they liked one that's muted because i mute a lot of my tweets that go big so i'm like i have no idea why you are here and i cannot yeah. decipher it from your twitter feed but yeah, you're here you now here? That's like how um, Michigan Senator Jim Einich, um follows me on Twitter. <laughs> it's got to be like, one of the times you've advocated for Flint. It's got to be. It has to be, yeah, because he's like the um, the senator for like the Flint area. And it's mm-hmm. like, he still follows me. I check intermittently. I'm like, this man does not have to follow me. Why do you, why do you <laughs> yeah. follow me? Like, I'm like, like shit I'm not posting. an activist. I just live here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like shit posting about like, is it called a plug strip or is it called a power strip there is a right answer awesome i need to know okay this is my last question yeah i need to i need to know (laughs) because and then we will go back to goosebumps i promise everybody who what do you call it it's a plug strip no it's a plug strip that is not the right answer i'm sorry to let you know like this but see that's not the right answer (laughs) it's it's a plug strip it's a power it's it's a power strip or a surge protector not a plug what are you talking about it's got plugs in it it's a strip of plugs it's a plug strip i hate to let you know that everyone (laughs) disagrees with you there were two people out there there are literally three of us (laughs) two people and i'm Unlike Dante said, I did not pay people to to say it's a plug strip. There's other people who say it's a plug strip, and I don't know who they are. And I need to know who they are. And they didn't yeah, comment I've, like, yeah, don't worry, Brenda. I call it a plug strip. I'm like, who the fuck once, are you? When you put plug strip, I was like, damn, who shit posted in the Discord that? And then I didn't find it. I was like, does Brenda, does Brenda think it's called a plug strip? Because that's not, I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> okay, so the story is, I was at Yomacon a couple weeks ago, and- we were like, you know, unpacking everything for the the room, and one of my friends had a p- plug strip and mm-hmm. was plugging stuff into it. And I was just like, "Oh, I should have brought a plug strip. That's a great idea." And then everyone just gets really quiet, and I'm just like going about my day. And then eventually, my friend is just like, <laughs> "Did you like, mean a, a did you mean a power strip? Did you mean a power strip?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, no, plug what strip." What do you mean? Because <laughs> I knew what they were talking about. I was just like, "Oh, well." It's a plug strip. <laughs> Shut up. Tell me more about R.L. Stein. How does he get out of this one? Yeah, so <laughs> that's almost it, actually. Like, he just, he, like I said, he insists that he wrote all the Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. And, I believe um, him. I don't yeah. know why would he have, there's no reason to lie about it. Like, people try to, like, analyze, like, 
the books, there are books that seem like a little out there. So like um, How I Learned to Fly seems very different than the rest of the books. But it could just be that he was trying to flex his muscles and do something a little different, maybe. Um, now that I know that he did write erotica for a men's magazine. <laughs> what a wild. Th- yeah, yeah, I have to go back to that because I forgot. I guess it was R.L. Stein and you'd said that. What? <laughs> Some of the way he phrases things in the Goosebumps books is a little um a little weird. It's like, buddy, um, remember, re- remember the demographic, buddy. <laughs> like, it's like he'll do like a lot of purple prose, and then he'll just be like, I don't know, his writing is wild. <laughs> like, but yeah, Goosebumps stuff continues to come out. There's a musical that it may uh, allegedly has earworms. I've yet to hear them, but I also haven't listened to the whole soundtrack. <laughs> um, I don't think it's made for me, so... And the, the thing in my brain that likes music is broken, so you'd think it'd be right up my alley, but it just did not um, catch me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I have a couple Italian openings to, like, mm-hmm. anime shows. Like, I have the Italian opening to Yu-Gi-Oh! on my Spotify liked list. What? It's a banger. <laughs> it's a banger, Austin. You gotta trust me. I, I trust you in my life. It's a banger. I'm like... Undeniably, it's a banger. I think that that might be it. Oh, there's there were the two movies that we mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And then I learned that there's going to be a Disney Plus series. It was announced in February of 2022, and it's expected to wrap up filming in March of 2023 with an estimated release of October 2023. So mm. that should be interesting. I don't know if like they're going to adapt new Goosebumps stories or if we're going to see another adaptation of... Um, the originals, like another Horrorland or like another another Slappy. We'll have to see. Only time will tell. There was no information out there about these, but that's that's about it. More Austin, Slappy. What's your favorite Goosebumps? It's the the monster, the monster mask. <laughs> I almost said monster mask. That, <laughs> it's the monster mash. My favorite Goosebumps book, number four hundred and sixty three. Is there a <laughs> monster mash book? There has they had so. to made that joke, right? I guess we could also briefly talk about like how um. Like, I guess we could briefly talk about, like, how all of the, um, a bunch of copycats sprung up around this time. Because, like... Oh, yeah? Here in Michigan, we had Michigan Chillers. Oh, you're right. Which were really big. And there were a bunch of others. There was, like, one called uh, Shivers. Just, it created, like, this Mm -hmm. whole new genre that, like, hadn't been tapped into before. Made my life a tiny hell, because these ones looked a lot scarier than Goosebumps. And I was afraid of everything. You know, this is before, like, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark came out, too. So, like... And even now, like, there's, like, 500 million Five Nights at Freddy's books, and they just don't stop coming. Like, I feel like that's the contemporary Goosebumps. Um, that feels all... right. Yeah, and, like, one of those comes out, like, every month also, and it's, like, chill out, please. Like, they just found another guy to write horror books for them, and it's, like, an anthology <laughs> series, so it's not even really Five Nights at Freddy's. It's just, like, here's a spooky thing, and the animatronic might show up, or I might just write something really bad (laughs) so i kind of feel like that's kind of taken over the goosebumps market goosebumps is still out there but it's not nearly as big as it used to be and a lot of it has to be like parents who grew up with it buying it for their kids i think so too i i feel like we could be close to uh resurgence because i feel like now firmly all anyone in that age group that was reading originally is like in parent age if they are choosing to have kids or not Mm -hmm. because it was it's like a slow gradual but now because i feel like we're probably the tail end of the original goosebumps generation yeah 
And so if our generation, like, moving into, like, the tail end of our generation moving into their 30s, which is around when people want to have kids, they start talking about it or having them, um, there could be a resurgence of classic books. I know they're doing, re- I know they do re-releases of the classic books. Uh, it's just, like, something easy if, like, you have a kid who seems interested in, like, scary stuff to know, like, I read The Haunted Mask. It was okay. You know, it's, it's not the worry of, like, oh, I gotta get it, but I gotta read it first because I don't want you to, you know... Yeah, you've already read it as a kid, and you were like, I know what happens, and I know what my kid can handle, so right. you know what books they would be able to read and what books they wouldn't be able to read. You can be like, hey, you already have a doll phobia, so maybe we don't read Slappy <laughs> Don't ever. read Slappy. <laughs> maybe you can just go about your life being blissfully ignorant as to whom Slappy is, and you don't yeah. have to relive my trauma. <laughs> Like, yeah, and it's also and it makes sense why they're like there's a fifteen, there's a fourth book in the Haunted Masters because if you get if you are a parent and you get your kid the Haunted Mask book and you're like oh there's a second one now like now it's and it's something for you both to enjoy right like yeah I doubt it'll be super riveting to a like mid thirty something I could be wrong but it's something that's like I mean I guess if there's more I'd, I why not it's this classic book for a book it's like ten dollars. Exactly. Like, they're all still in circulation. They all have new covers, which I think is a bad idea, but I guess you have to try to appeal to modern tastes. (laughs) I don't know. I don't get this new cover thing. They don't look great. Like, Like, the new cover is like, even the, like, the slappy new cover is bad. Yeah. (laughs) The Night of Living Dummy cover, it's not... I need to say, I don't know who made this art. If you're listening to this, I do not want, I do not want you to feel bad. You did the job you were given, and I hope you got a nice paycheck from it. Whoever yeah. was the editor in charge of telling you this was the layout they were doing did a bad job. <laughs> it's like looking at like the new cover for Ghost Beach. It's like, and they don't have like the, the tags on them, because like Goosebumps books always had like little tags. So, like for Ghost Beach, right. it was like no swimming, no surfing, no haunting. Like, right. And then the new ones don't have that on there yeah like even the, the new haunted Ma- the new haunted mass book like it doesn't look creepy it looks goofy yeah like they're trying to make them goofier than they were and i think like the magic of like the original goosebumps covers that they could kind of like have like that visceral horror mixed with right. like the bright colors and just made like this like very iconic art like you can't really replicate like the airbrush acrylic look mm-hmm. that tim jacobus had mm-hmm. like it's just like looking <laughs> i'm just looking yeah. through a bunch of them and it, just the detailing in it like you don't see this in book covers Mm-mm. anymore the the newer ones look cheap mm-hmm. compared to it and it's like like i said that's nothing on the artist like they were probably given a prompt and like a style right. and we're just expected to stick to it like but it just doesn't oh my god you invoke. can buy the mask you can get the actual mask yeah, you can like buy the really can like buy the prop, but like some there's also like apparently at one point they released like a Halloween mask of the haunted mask. Oh my god! Uh, it, it's on eBay now for like two hundred bucks, but apparently it was just like a thing they released. I'm sure it was like a kid's toy something because I don't think we were. I think the original haunted mask came out when like before we like would have been reading. Yeah, that was like the the earliest one, so we were like baby still. Yeah, it was ninety three, <laughs> so like we yeah. were super long gone. Uh. But yeah, you can like it's it is creepy in that it is like old, but it's uh <laughs> bright lime green. Uh and then you can buy like some they have some of the replicas of the one from the show, which is absolutely fucking horrifying. <laughs> it is The one from the so show is really whoa, scary. Oh whoa. <laughs> I don't know who did the molding for that or whatever, but they uh whoa, buddy. 
Oh, I found the the slappy, the new slappy cover. Yeah, that looks bad. Yeah, it's not good. I'm not afraid of him anymore. <laughs> You're like, I'm free. <laughs> I've <laughs> Oh, and there's like one well, the other cool thing too is like the cool thing I mean seeing adults do, I know there are people who've done like fan remakes and fan films of like goosebump stuff. Mm-hmm. There's one person who did a short film of the haunted mask. Uh, and it's just all up on YouTube. It's Haunted Mass Part 1 and 2. It's from Second Life Productions. Oh. Uh, I haven't watched it because it looks actually creepy. But <laughs> if you are if you are someone who, like, Goosebumps got you into horror for real, like, you're, like, went on and, like, became, like, a big horror fan, uh, it looks actually creepy. Like, what if it was, like, actually scary? Not, like, <laughs> kid scary? Like, I get creeped out looking at the mask as an adult, but that's, like... That's like my child brain pinging me, right? Like yeah. if, was an, if I was an adult who just stumbled across it, I'd be like, I mean, that's a creepy idea, but. Like, are kids these days frightened of <laughs> the haunted mask? I have no idea. Are they afraid of Slappy? Like, is that just like my trauma? <laughs> Slappy is, I will stand by you as I stand by you always. Slappy is scary, <laughs> period. <laughs> but I did find this is, what's your favorite Goosebumps, Brenda? Let me think. Honestly, I'm also going to say The Haunted Mask. <laughs> it's so good. It's good. It, like, you know, features this girl who, like, experiences mm-hmm. bullying and buys, like, this really scary mask who so she can scare people and is, like, almost overwhelmed by it and has to, like, free herself from it. It's, like, it's a really yeah. fleshed it's out like story. It's, like, existential and scary. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, because it's one of the earlier ones, he was still writing with, like, the principles from... Mm-hmm. Fear Street. So it feels a lot more visceral, I guess. And like, like the stakes are like bigger. Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to turn into a bee. It's like, yeah. it's like she's going to lose herself to this mask. And that's scary, right. especially when you're a kid. And I think like the, the special, like the live action special of it is the best one out of the whole series. It really uh, is. It really is. Like they put their whole, like all of their energy into. <laughs> I almost said goose bussy. <laughs> I'm mad that you didn't just buy it. You listen. You heard it here first, everybody. Goose they put, bussy. They put their whole goose bussy into it. My mom told me this morning that um someone from the eye doctor followed our podcast. So um Incredible. I can't wait for them to ask your mom, like, what the fuck does your child mean goose bussy? What is a goose bussy? If you're here Is it like is it like the bussy of a goose or I hope she's our age and she knows like and she's cool and awesome and doesn't judge me next time I go in to get my eyes checked. Yeah, Haunted Mask is really fucking good. I it's love really Haunted good. Mask. I sent you a pretty, I sent you a very good picture related to the Haunted Mask, but I have nothing else stopping you from ending us right now, but I do want you to I see think, that. I think that's it. Let me look at this image. It's loading. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw the image of, I don't know if you watch Stranger Things, um, but there's an image of one of the Stranger Things characters in like a, in like a flesh suit, you know, for a CGI mm-hmm. scene, drinking Starbucks. And it has I the saw same that. energy. Yeah. I like how you can see the the eyes. The eyes this this girl's eye. Like, actual eye, like, looking, like, sideways as they drink out of this cup. This is the actress that played the main character in the live-action version of The Haunted Mask. Wearing The Haunted Mask. Drinking liquid out of a styrofoam cup with a straw. <laughs> yeah. Staring like straight at 
akin to drinking a Starbucks, but I would need to know what's really fun to me. Like, I get if you're in a full bodysuit, it's just a mask. Is the was the mask that much work to get onto her that they're like, don't I'd, take it off? I'd say yeah, they had to like probably get that on there. That doesn't that doesn't look like it comes off. Like they have to like fasten it around the eyes so it meshes well. So I'd say like probably easier just to leave it on. Incredible, this especially in great. between takes. What a great Halloween yeah. episode! Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that it's um, still Halloween and that this was very timely and it's definitely not um, Thanksgiving next week <laughs> or when you listen to this, Thanksgiving the next day. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Love you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps the show out a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.